Hi there, Darren Alf here from BicycleTouringPro.com. I'm out in the forest right now, in the Deschutes National Forest actually, in central Oregon, just outside the city of Bend. It is very cold right now, it's about, oh, what is it? I'm trying to see here. It is 48 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 9 degrees Celsius. Pretty cold. And the wind is blowing, the trees are moving back and forth. Um, it was raining a little bit earlier today, so that kind of sets the setting for you uh, as to where I am right now. Um, but I wanted to talk today a little bit about the five-day bike tour that I just recently completed in Northern California. I drove from my parents' home in Southern California, where I had been staying for the last little bit, up to the city of Eureka, California, just uh, just recently. And Eureka, California is a special place for me because in 2001, when I was 17 years old, Eureka, California is the location that I used as the starting place for my very first bike tour. I took a bus from my home to Eureka, California. Uh, I had my bicycle all packed up in a box, and I got off the bus early in the morning there in Eureka, California, and I put my bike together and began cycling south toward the Mexican border. And that was my very first bike tour that I had ever done. Um, and it was a 30-day bike tour, and that bike tour essentially changed my life and was just the beginning of my long-distance bicycle touring adventures all around the world. So this year, 2018, I traveled back to Eureka, California, 18 years after having been there for the very first time, and I stayed at the very beginning of my trip not in a campground like I did on my first bike tour. On my first bike tour, I stayed at the local KOA campground on the first night of the trip. But on this trip, 2018, I contacted a couple named Dick and Kathy um, who just happened to live in the city of Eureka, and they were listed as contacts on the warmshowers.org website. Warm Showers, in case you don't know, is a website similar to like globalfreeloaders.com or couchsurfing.com where you can contact people who are willing to host you on your travels um, and they'll host you or put you up in their house, give you a shower, sometimes they'll even give you food, let you use the washing machine, that kind of a thing. But warmshowers.org is a website just for traveling cyclists. So I don't use warm showers a whole lot, to be completely honest, because I find it logistically difficult um, when you're traveling by bicycle to kind of arrange with strangers um, when you're going to be showing up and what time you're going to be there. That can all be very difficult to do on a bicycle. But I oftentimes use warm showers when I'm traveling to a big city and there's nowhere else maybe that's cheap to stay, or I use the resource at the beginning or the end of one of my bicycle tours as I did here in this particular case. So anyways, I contacted this couple named Dick and Kathy, told them I was driving up from Southern California to do this little week-long bike tour through the redwood trees, and I asked them essentially if they would host me for my first night in Eureka and then allow me to park my van on their property for the week while I was away on my bike trip. So that's exactly what happened, and they invited me in and they were really a great uh, couple, very, very interesting. Dick uh, 
was a self-proclaimed hippie, I guess I should probably the easiest way to explain it. But um, he built the house that we were staying in, his house. He built his house all by himself and he built another house on his property as well. He has six acres of land and two houses and a barn and it was really, really cool to uh, see not only these houses that he built himself but also just to see into the lives of these complete strangers. So it was a great start to my mini bike tour in Northern California. Then over the course of the next five days after getting to Eureka and kind of uh, getting acquainted with the area and parking my van at Dick and Kathy's house, I then began cycling north up the coast and I didn't go far. I went to the city of Oryk and then I cut inland through the Redwoods National and State Park area and that was a big uphill climb and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But anyway, so there's a big uphill climb. Then I came down into a valley on the other side of the mountain, cycled down the valley on the Bigfoot Scenic Byway. And then I cycled back up and over the mountain back to Eureka, California. So it was a very short five-day bike tour. I'm not even sure how many miles or kilometers it was, but it wasn't a whole lot, to be completely honest. It was just about getting out, going someplace new, exploring a little bit pushing myself and uh, having fun. So that was the trip. But one of the things that I think I learned and relearned and relearned and relearned uh, from this particular bike tour is the fact that it can take a while for you to get into the groove of things when you're on a bike tour like this. And I've said this so many times before. I talk about this inside my book, The Bicycle Touring Blueprint. Um, it usually takes about three days to get into the groove at the start of a bicycle tour. Many people quit their bicycle tours on the first or second day of the trip. And though, and there's a good reason for that. It's because the first and second day of the trip are oftentimes the hardest moments on the tour. And it's those first three days especially um, that can be the most challenging because on the first three days of the trip, you're not used to cycling a whole lot. You're still trying to figure out how to pack all your bags. You're not sure how fast you should be cycling. You're not sure how many breaks you should be taking. You're not sure how much food you should be eating. You're not sure how much water you should be drinking. You're not sure where you're going to sleep at night. Everything is new to you. And all of that slows you down and makes your time on the road that much more difficult. So, uh, like I talk about inside the Bicycle Turn Blueprint, it's good to know that your first three days on the road are going to be difficult, and that if you're able to push past those first three days, everything will become a whole lot easier. And I had to keep reminding myself of this, even though I am an experienced bicycle tourist, um, I had to keep reminding myself of the fact that the first three days of a bike tour, this bike tour, for me at least, were extremely difficult. On the first day of my trip, um, I was cycling north up the coast and it was very cold. The wind was blowing directly in my face, so I had a, a pretty good headwind. And I was out of shape because I've been off the bike for, for quite a while. So all three of those things were kind of hitting me right at, right out of the bat, you know? And uh, 
And at the end of my first day of cycling around 4 p.m., I was feeling really tired and really discouraged and thinking, gosh, this is not a whole lot of fun. But the truth is, I knew that this was going to happen because I've been here before. I've been biking around the world for 18 years, and I've gone through this at the start of each and every one of my bicycle tours. And again, when I woke the second morning, I was kind of tired, a little sleepy, didn't want to pack up my tent and get back on the bike so soon, but I knew that I had to do it. So I get on the bike, and once again, I start pedaling north. It's still cold. It's still windy. I got a big headwind. And then I turn inland, and for a moment, the road is flat, and the wind is at my back, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is awesome. And then <laughs> I I make a right-hand turn, and the road starts going uphill, extremely uphill. And the road is steep, and my legs are burning, and I'm really having to push. And there are moments when I have to get off of the bike and and really push my bike up this very, very steep hill. And I'm going slow, and I'm tired, and it's scary. I'm in the deep, dark forest. It's like Bigfoot could pop out behind a tree at any moment. And uh, there were times on day two where I thought, why am I doing this to myself? This is terrible. This isn't fun. I want to go home and cry. But I knew I just had to keep telling myself, that the first three days of a bike tour are the hardest. And if I can get past the first three days, it's going to be awesome. So on day three, day three came around, I was really tired now after two really difficult days on the bike. And I still knew that I had 20 more miles of uphill cycling to go until I got to the top of the mountain. So I had a difficult task ahead of me. But the truth is, I, I put my head down and I pedaled and I pedaled and I tried not to think about the fact that I was climbing a giant freaking mountain. And eventually, I reached snow. There was snow on the side of the road. I was so high up. There was snow everywhere. And eventually, I got to a point where my bike started going downhill, which was like a new concept for me all of a sudden, it seemed like. Because for the first time in three days, my bike was going downhill without me having to pedal it. And it was at this point that I realized I had, I had made it. I had survived the first three days of my bike tour in Northern California, and I was going to be okay. So I finished day three feeling really good about myself, actually. I, I flew down this hill and then rode another uh, 15 miles or so into town, got some food, found a campsite, rested up. And the following day, I followed a valley, which was kind of flat, but there were some hills, through this valley on the Bigfoot Scenic Byway. And I didn't cycle super far that day, but I finished the day feeling like I made it, like I am now on day four in the groove. This is what bicycle touring is all about. And if every day of my bike tour were like this one, I could do this forever. So when I woke up on day five of my bike tour, I was feeling really, really good, feeling totally in the groove, feeling healthy, feeling strong. And even though I had a huge uphill climb ahead of me, I didn't really dread it like I 
dreaded days one and day two and day three. Um, and so day five came to an end much easier actually than I thought it would. And I finished my bike tour on a, on a total high. Very proud of myself for having finished even just a short five-day bicycle tour. And none of that would have happened. I, I wouldn't have completed my bike tour feeling good about myself had I quit on day one or day two or day three of my trip. Um, and, and like I said, even though I am an experienced bicycle tourist, I still have that feeling at the beginning of all of my bicycle tours where for the first few days, I am not in the groove. I don't feel comfortable. I, I feel weak. I feel out of place. And uh, it's good to know as a beginner bicycle tourist that your first three days on the road are going to be difficult. But if you can push past those first three days, it'll all be worth it. And you'll eventually get into such a groove that your time on the road becomes super easy and enjoyable. Now, along those same lines, I think the second major lesson that I learned from this bike tour in the redwood trees in Northern California is the fact that bicycle touring is not an entirely physical activity. Many people who are new to bicycle touring focus entirely on the bike they're riding and the gear they're using. And some people uh, will focus as well on how physically fit they happen to be. That's very smart when you're going to do a long distance bike tour like this. You want to be physically fit. However, most people do not think about how mentally challenging a long distance bike tour can be. It was on day two of my bike tour when I left the coastline and began cycling up this really steep uh, incline. That was when for me, like there were moments when I was pushing my bike and just barely crawling up this steep, dark, scary road. There were moments where I seriously thought to myself, like, why am I doing this? This is so stupid. I, I want to go home. I just want to sit on the couch and watch a movie and eat some ice cream and take a shower and talk to my friends or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and, and I could have stopped at any moment. That's the thing about cycling and, and walking and running and that kind of a thing is the fact that it's very easy to stop. You know, all you got to do is stop moving your legs and you're done. Um, but you can't. That's the thing about bicycle turn is you always want to keep moving forward. And physically, that's pretty easy to do as long as you're in pretty good physical shape. But from a mental standpoint, that can be very, very difficult. And so a lot of people struggle not with the physical aspects of bicycle touring, but with the mental aspects that are required of you to keep going forward, even when things get difficult. So just another thing to keep in mind, I guess, uh, when you're planning and preparing for your own bike tours is the fact that yes, you want to prepare physically as far as your bike and your body is concerned, but you also want to prepare mentally for the challenges that you're going to face once you get out there on the road. And I think you want to probably spend some time thinking about how you're going to react when things do get difficult because they are going to get difficult at some point in your tour and you should probably have an idea of how you uh, want to respond in those various situations. 
Now, finally, the last lesson that I want to share with you from my uh, 2018 bike tour through the redwood trees in Northern California is something that has to do with a major mistake that I made on this particular bike tour. I don't know exactly when this happened, but at some point on my tour, I kneeled down on the ground, which is something that I frequently do when I'm filming my videos for my Bicycle Turn Pro YouTube channel. I will kneel down on the ground in front of my camera and speak into the camera. And at some point on my bike tour, I did this, and I wasn't paying attention to what I was kneeling down in. And only a few days after my bike tour ended, did I start to break out all on my knee and on various other parts of my body with poison oak. And I've had poison oak before, but it's usually just like a little bit here, a little bit there. But no, this time I did something really, really bad. I must have been sitting in that poison oak for about five minutes, rubbing my knee directly in it or something, because I broke out in the worst case of poison oak that I have ever had. My entire knee was covered in poison oak, then I, I I don't know exactly how it happened, but I probably transferred the oil uh, from my knee onto my arm just because I like I sat down in the poison oak and then I sat in my tent and I like crossed my arms over my knees, and so I spread the oil from the poison oak plant onto my knee, onto my arms, and it it, it essentially affected every part of my body except for my chest and head. So I had poison oak on my left knee very very bad on my left wrist very very bad on my right leg uh, kind of on the calf area on my left thigh going all the way up essentially to my crotch and also on the top of my left arm so some really bad poison oak in fact it was so bad that after three days of suffering with the poison oak I determined that I needed to get medical help. I went to an, an urgent care center, walked in there, or I should say limped in there, because at this point my knee was about two times its normal size, and my arm, my left arm, was, it, it felt like it weighed about two times its normal weight. I had a huge amount of pus um, and swelling in, in my left arm as well as in my left knee, and when I walked into the urgent care center, the people there were very quick to inform me that this was the worst case of poison oak they had ever seen. The doctor said, I've never seen poison oak this bad before. So um, what ended up happening, uh, basically, before I get to the lesson, is that they gave me two shots in the ass. Uh, one shot, I think, was a steroid, and one may have been an antihistamine or something like that. And then I was also given some medications to take as well over the following days. And that all seemed to help. Um, I'm recording this audio now, and I'm still, actually, I still have the poison oak on my leg and arms. Um, but it's much, much better than it was just a few days ago. So, anyways, I got this terrible case of poison oak, and it got me to thinking about just personal safety and health and well-being on a bicycle tour like this because this also is something I've talked about before but when you're going off on a bike tour especially if you're traveling alone or you're traveling far from home or in a foreign country where you don't know anyone or you don't speak the language it becomes 
even more important to make sure that you're watching out for your personal safety and well-being. When you're close to home, you can probably take a few more risks. Like if you go out on a bike ride and you're close to home and you fall and you hurt yourself, you, you know that like there's someone in town that you can call for help to come and get you or, or there's a hospital nearby that you could be rushed to. But when you're traveling and you're far from anything that you know or anyone that you know, um, you want to take certain steps to ensure that you remain safe while you're out there on the road. And that's something that I kind of forgot on this particular bike tour because I've had poison oak before. I've had it dozens of times and I should know better than to kneel down in some unknown plant substance and uh, and think that I'm going to be okay. So I kind of broke my own rule in this particular bike tour um, because I know just how bad poison oak can be. But there are other instances on, on bike tours where you might want to take steps necessary to ensure your personal safety. And, and you could do that, for example, by wearing bright clothes when you're riding your bike so that cars can see you. You might want to ride with a mirror so that you can see cars or people or animals coming up behind you on your bike while you ride. Um, you might want to have a little bell on your bike that could help keep you safe or whatever. You're going to want to be aware of personal safety sorts of things um, like scam artists or uh, thieves that might be present in the areas that you're traveling through. Like I just completed a bike tour in Ecuador and Colombia recently, and I was reading the travel books about the areas that I was cycling through. And they were saying that kidnapping was common, prostitution was common, um, drug running was common. So I was kind of, I was like making myself aware of some of the situations that I might run into out on the road. So you want to be aware of the things going on around you. And there's a whole host of things that you can do. Um, one, the example I always give people is like when you're, when you're going down a big hill, a lot of times bicyclists will just let go of the brakes and go as fast as they possibly can, which is a whole lot of fun. But if you fall and hurt yourself, you could be in a whole lot of trouble. And that's especially true on a long distance bike tour. Um, because one, you don't want to break your body. That's obvious. But you also don't want to break your bicycle or any of the belongings that you're carrying with you. So when I go down a hill, even though I want to go fast and kind of get that thrill of the downhill, uh, the wind in my face and that sort of a thing, I will oftentimes hold myself back so that I'm pressing the brakes and I'm I'm descending at a level that I feel is safe and that I can stay in control of my situation because I'm I'm making the decision as I go down that hill that I'm going to sacrifice a small amount of joy in order to increase the amount of safety that I experience as I travel down the road. Another example of that might be like there's a there's a log or something fallen in the road in front of you or on the trail in front of you. And you might be skilled enough to continue cycling and jump over that log and then continue on your way. Or if you want to make sure that you don't trip and fall and break your ankle or spin over the top of your handlebars or something, you might do the safe thing and just stop your bike, get off carry the bike over the log, 
then get back on your bike and continue down the road. Now that's not as much fun as jumping over the log and and proving how good of a cyclist you are, but it's the safer thing to do. So these are some examples of ways that you can remain safe on a bicycle tour. But I just wanted to bring that up, I guess, because it's something that I've been thinking about for the last few days as I've been sitting here suffering with poison oak is that like you don't want to be suffering with poison oak when you're out on a bike tour or be suffering with any other sort of illness or injury. If I had gotten this poison oak during the middle of my bike tour, I would not have been able to continue the trip. I was not able to bend my knee because the poison oak was so bad for several days. So if that had been the case for me out there on the road, my bike tour would have essentially been over or I would have had to pause it for like a whole week, which is not something that necessarily everyone can do. So um, yeah, you just want to go out of your way sometimes to make sure that you're going to remain safe while you're out there on the road. That includes being aware of your situation, being uh, smart about how you're riding or, or traveling through a particular area. And in my case, at least, it means not kneeling down on top of a poisonous plant. If you want to see the photos from my recently completed bike tour in Northern California, be sure to visit my website at bicycletourinpro.com and stay tuned for the videos from my NorCal bike tour, which will be released soon on the Bicycle Turn Pro YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Hope you have a great day, and I hope to see you out on the road sometime soon. I'm Darren Alf from BicycleTurnPro.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.